Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. 46% of Americans expect to leave behind financial obligations when they pass away. So it's crucial to make sure your family is financially protected. Policy Genius helps you find the right life insurance coverage by comparing options from America's top insurers with help from licensed, award-winning agents. Secure your financial future with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get free life insurance quotes in just a few clicks. That's policygenius.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera and everything in between. If you have a piece of hunting gear or a piece of hunting equipment that needs a battery, Interstate Batteries has got you covered. You can go to a local retail store or you can go visit online at interstatebatteries.com. They have thousands of local retail shops all over the U.S., so you can go there as well. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. My name is Clay Newcomb, and I'm the host of the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. I'll also be your host into the world of hunting, the icon of North American wilderness, the bear. We'll talk about tactics, gear, conservation, but we'll also bring you into some of the wildest country on the planet, chasing bear. This last week, I had the opportunity to be on a pretty pretty cool platform for the outdoor industry. Yep. I've got Colby, Colby Moorhead, the bear tech here with me. We're going to give kind of a little preamble to the podcast, but last week, well, it was actually, we recorded it back in July. Colby. Yeah, yeah, we've been waiting on this. Yeah, but it just came out this week, which August 26th, I think is when it came out, but, but I was on the Meat Eater podcast with Steve Rinella, which... Uh, it was cool. I, I really follow everything that Steve does. Follow his Netflix series, Meat Eater. Follow the podcast. Follow what they're doing on social media. So this this was a big deal, personal personally a big deal for me to be on the podcast. It was really a fun experience. Yeah. Um. So you can check out that the 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 podcast. Tell them what the podcast is called, Colby. <laughs> All for a flashy mule. All for a flashy mule. I think it was episode one hundred and eighty three. And uh, I, I don't know if a lot of people would know this. I didn't know it until I kind of did some research. But on iTunes, the Meteor Podcast, is the, at the time I looked, was the 
67th most listened to podcast in the world on iTunes. Wow. I mean, that's for for a hunting podcast to be that popular. It's interesting. I mean, everybody in the outdoor industry should, I think, could key in on something like that to say what what's happening here that's making these people, you know, draw into this. And, uh, you know, it's just interesting. So you can check out some of his stuff. I mean, I don't need to do a infomercial for Steve Ranella. Yeah. But, uh, but it, but it is interesting stuff. Some of it. Um, but this podcast, the bear hunting magazine podcast, my boys last night, I told them, I told them about Ranella's podcast being in the top 100. Yeah. And they said, Dad, is yours in the top 200? <laughs> and I said, no. Yeah. And they said, is it in the top 500 in the world? I mean, they were just certain. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no. And they were like, no, Dad, your podcast has got to be in the top 500 in the world. I mean, they were just like floored. That, yeah. and, I, and, and I said, no, boys, it's not. But, uh, but the, the shepherd was like, but it's getting there. It's getting yeah, there. He was like really there. loyal to the call, to yeah. the cause here. But but what I wanted to, what we're going to talk about on this podcast, I think the conversation that we had about the actual fundamental aspects of baiting bears, like how to, that we nerd out, Colby, yeah. about baiting bears with two of the, two of, well, two of the best guys that I know in Arkansas. Um, not to say there's not more, but these two guys that I had on here, Jason Lyles and, and my longtime friend, Ryan Greb, um, good, good bear hunters, been baiting bears serious for a lot of years. They, they both have a lot of good insight. And so this podcast probably has as much tactical information about what to bait with, when to bait with, baiting sequence, where to set up a bait site. Yeah, we covered a ton of stuff, but why I'm doing this preamble like this, which is a little bit longer form than we usually do, is we didn't get into at all, you know, like the the foundational aspects that I think we've all got to have on the tip of our tongue in 2019, yeah. as we're trying to we're trying to pro you know we're trying to not defend I don't want to be on the defensive but we're we're trying to educate ourselves on why we do what we do. I mean, this hunting lifestyle that we live. It has to be fueled by an understanding that we can articulate of why we do what we do. And I think a lot of guys would, would perceive baiting bears simply as just a, an effective way to hunt. It's like this is an easy way to hunt. And obviously with baiting bears, there's a ton of misperceptions. Uh, you know, charismatic megafauna, putting out food and bait for charismatic megafauna, people would could look down upon that. But what I want to say is that and this is what I said to Ranella, and part of the reason it's connected to this is we talked a lot about baiting bears and using hounds on the Meat Eater podcast. Yeah. And so the foundational aspect of baiting bears is that anywhere it's legal to bait bears, that is a core management tool for the game agencies that have the data, that have the science, that know the habitat, that know how many bears there are, that know how much their bear population is growing every year, and they know how many bears need to be taken out every year. They have this data. And where baiting is legal, it is a management tool used for these organizations to achieve their management goals for the betterment of that bear population. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's a fundamental aspect. So it's not just like, 
well, they have lenient game laws in that state, and so they allow baiting. No, that's stupid. Mm. That's not the case. In the East, particularly, and uh, in, in Canada, and in, in the places where you can bait bears, it is other methods don't work. Yeah. This prime example is Arkansas. Our bear season was reinstated in 1980 after like a 70 year uh, gap, or well, from 1927 to 1980. And for 21 years, from 1980 to 2001, all you could do in Arkansas was basically spot and stalk hunting bears. And yeah. every year they probably they killed less than 50 bears. In 2001, finally the science, the data, the expansion of the bears, they were like, we got to have, we got to take more bears out of the population. They said, we're going to do that with baiting yeah. on private land. Baiting is highly selective. Perhaps hound hunting and hunting over bait would be the most selective way to hunt bears. Like you're, you're, you're getting pictures of this animal and we're just talking about baiting on this podcast. So let's, you're getting pictures of these animals. You know what your target animals are. Bear comes in close range. He's, Standing there for a long period of time, you're able to evaluate that bear's age, the bear's sex, the bear's size, all this stuff. You're able to evaluate whether it's a sow that has cubs because you're you're watching, you're looking, you're evaluating her. And so it's a highly selective way to hunt. And so and that's the way people have to view it. Number one, it's management tool. I'm pounding it into the ground here. <laughs> Number two is that Hunting over bait is one of the hardest ways that I hunt. I spend more time and energy baiting bears than almost I do anything. Yeah. I mean, it's a ton of work. So this idea that hunting over bait is easy is ridiculous. Yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. and should be expelled from people's minds that hunting over bait is just the easy man's or the lazy man's way to hunt. Just not true. Mm-hmm. Anybody that says that has never done it. I challenge now. Now, granted, people may have gone on outfitted hunts over bait and come back and go, "Well, that was easy." Yeah. Well, it was easy. It was an outfitted <laughs> hunt. Yeah. Somebody that has killed bear over bait that has done it themselves will never say that it was easy. Now, the hunting. I mean, yeah, you might have a bear come in the first day and you may kill it, but there was a host of work behind that. So those are the things that I want to say as we come into this because we're going to nerd out for an hour and 15 minutes about the tactics that we're using for baiting bears. Super good stuff. But Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? I like it. I I like it. Am I pounding too hard into the choir? I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, even when I went on my outfitted hunt, I killed early and so I... So I went out with the the outfitter just to see what it was like, and it was a lot of work. I came back drenched in sweat. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's not easy. Yeah, even in my limited, you know, exposure to it. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Well, hey, you're gonna enjoy this podcast with Ryan Grab, Jason Lyles, and myself. And that's it. That's it. Before we get into the podcast, I want to bring your attention to our friends at Northwoods Bear Products. In this podcast, you're going to hear us talk about the way that we use commercial scents. And you're going to hear these guys talk about their preferences and what they're doing. Do us a favor. Go to Northwoods Bear Products' Instagram page. Give them a like and a look on Instagram. All right? It is time for bear hunting 
there's still time to get commercial sense if you're if you are if you're baiting bears and it's legal in your state. Like we said last week, some some places it, you can't bait, but you can use sense. So check your check your regulations and uh, check out Northwoods. They've got all kind of scent attractants, and these are the things that we're using. And uh, yeah, NorthwoodsBearProducts.net. August 26th, August 26th, and in two days here in Arkansas, we can start baiting bears. In Arkansas, we can bait bears 30 days before the opening of the bear season. Bear season opens on September 28th, fourth Saturday in September. Usually, the last two years, the fourth Saturday in September has been in the early 20s of September, which is way better Way better. Way better than late September. It's like people that wouldn't know bear hunting, or at least around here know bear hunting, would know that the difference between September 22nd and September 28th is pretty massive. Yeah, absolutely. So let me introduce who we've got here. We're at the Global Headquarters, and uh, the air conditioner works today. (laughs) And uh, I've got... Ryan Flintface Greb here. Ryan's been on the podcast several times. Ryan's a good friend of mine. We've hunted quite a few places together. And Ryan is a, a decorated Arkansas bear hunter. Uh, been bear hunting Arkansas since uh, since you were two. That's right. <laughs> no, Ryan's a Ryan's a real good real good bear hunter. And, uh, and I've got Jason Lyles. Jason's new to the podcast, but uh, but. It, Man, I've known you, I feel like I've known you for many years, but uh, more like internet buddies. Yeah, I mean, about and, the past three years probably. Yeah, probably yeah. so. And uh, no, Jason's hooking me up with in the squirrel dog world. Right? Oh, is that right? No doubt. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's a, he's a good tree dog man, coon dog, squirrel dog. Yeah. And uh, the pup we got is uh, your wily mountain cur dog is a grandsire. Yes. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Go... The pup goes back to uh, a man named Todd Coles. Goes back to some of his bloodline, yeah. and then the uh, the dam to your pup is uh, out of my mountain cur Wiley, right. and a, another female that I used to own that my buddy Donnie yeah. Presser owns. Yep. Right on. Yep. Yeah. So Jason's helping us with with the squirrel dog world in the squirrel dog world, but Jason is also a decorated Arkansas bear hunter. You know, the bear world in Arkansas really seems to be pretty small. It's it's growing. When I say small, like in Arkansas, we're killing less than 500 bears a year. Mm-hmm. So we, so the northern zone in Arkansas, there's a there's a I believe now it's a 300 bear quota. Can't remember. They raised it 50 bears again. Again, they raised it this this year 50 oh, really? 50 I did, bears. I didn't, I didn't see that. That's my understanding. Yeah. And then the the other zone, there's no quota, but typically they're killing less than 150 bears a year. So really not a lot of animals. And so we've been baiting bears in Arkansas since 2001, okay? I've made this claim on the podcast, but I've never made it in front of two decorated Arkansas bear hunters. I claim to be the first Arkansas bow hunter to legally, legally kill a bear over bait (laughs) as soon as it was legal in Arkansas in 2001. Because at the crack of dawn, <laughs> at, I mean, at the crack of dawn, on 
October the 1st, 2001. My dad was wearing his white T-shirt because he still hadn't put on his camo. He had just climbed up the tree. He was going to video for me. I was in the tree. He was like eight feet off the ground, like for whatever reason, closer to the barrel than me. I don't know why we decided that. <laughs> he was going to film this bear hunt. And uh, he's just like glowing like a light in this tree. And I see this bear coming up the ridge. And it was the first bear I'd ever seen in a hunting situation. You know, I'd seen bears like cross the road and stuff. Right. And uh, man, it, 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 it was a fascinating scene to me to look off down this ridge. And it, it was still twilighty enough that you really couldn't see the bear's legs move. It just looked like it was just floating. You know, like this black blob just floating. And I mean, it just came right in. I didn't have my release on. Put my release on. <laughs> the bear walks right in. Dad, I think it's, the camera's still on the ground, like on a rope, you know. And poof, shoot this bear at 20 yards. Bear runs off and gives the most dramatic death moan that a bear has ever <laughs> made in, in all of history, I'm quite certain. And you were hooked after that. I was. And me yeah. and my dad, our jaws dropped. I mean, we were just like, holy cow. We didn't, we didn't even know they death moaned. But, you know, that story, I, I have told it several times. I walked up to that animal. I was 21 years old in 2001. I walked up to that animal, and I knew nothing about it. That was, the, that was the dominant feature of the hunt for me, was I was fascinated by this incredible, beautiful, magnificent animal, and I knew nothing about it. And that's kind of what set me into the bear, the bear world. But to go back to my claim, and I'm going to, can either of you dispute this? Did you kill a bear before then? Well, what you didn't know is I was just down the ridge, and I'd passed that bear 10 minutes before <laughs> it got to you. <laughs> well, then you were hunting on National Forest, and that was illegal. <laughs> maybe so, maybe so. Now, so did you, did, uh, now, did you kill a bear in 2001? No, I did not hunt over a bait yeah, in 2001. Yeah, you're just a rookie. Yeah. Just a rookie. 2002, though. <laughs> 2002. Yeah. Now, when did you first start hunting? 2003 was the first year that I tried baiting bears, and it was late. I started, like, October. and uh, Oh, you didn't get started until yeah. season got going. Right. It was muzzleloader season. I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to give this a try. Didn't, didn't work out at all that year. Yeah, but yeah. 2004 was the first year I actually put some effort into it. Started baiting 30 days before season, and uh, opening morning, got him. Got him. Got him. Got him. Nice. Big one. So my claim still stands. My claim. You, you win. Okay. Okay. <laughs> no. What I want to talk about on this podcast, though, is I want to go from zero to informed for people that were listening about how to bait bears, because it, it, it would seem that it would just be easy people that have never baited bears even hunters would think baiting bears would be relatively easy but what we've found and what i've learned and i've learned a ton from ryan greb mm-hmm. uh, i really have what i've learned is that there's you got to do a whole lot of stuff right in order to be successful year in and year out on older mature males That's, big bears a lot of people can go out and have a crack pretty good opportunity at a mm-hmm. subordinate bear but you know Season hunters, us guys wanting to chase the more mature bear, whole different animal. You got to do a ton. The way I just say it is, you got to do a ton of stuff right. Right. And there's a lot of. It's not just one thing. It's a lot of things. And uh, so, hopefully, in our conversation today, we can just cover. I want to hear from both you guys about 
kind of just your sequence of baiting. And let me tell you the questions that we're going to answer. These are the questions that I get all the time is what do you bait with? I'm going to go through the questions and we'll, y'all can help me remember what the questions are. Sure. <laughs> what do you bait with? What's the best bear bait? That's a question. The other question is how much do you feed? The other question is when do you feed? Because there's a lot of options. I mean, there's some places where you can bait bears year round. Mm-hmm. There's some places where you can bait bears just a week before the season starts. We're working with a 30-day time period, which is actually pretty good. Yes. Um, there's some places, I'm pretty sure there's some places where you can't start baiting until the season actually opens. I mean, so you put out bait and then you can't even start before the season opens. Really? Um, and so what to bait with, how much to bait with, when to bait with, and the question that most people don't ask that they should be asking is where do you bait? Like, because in a landscape, if you were just looking at a landscape of Arkansas or a landscape of any place, there are going to be locations, even on a micro scale to a macro scale, that are going to be way better for attracting bears in the daylight. Mm -hmm. Because that's the thing. You could put a bear bait out in the middle of an open pasture and bears would probably go there during the night and not have any trouble. Yeah. But you're not gonna, you're not, you're probably not gonna kill a good bear out in the middle of a pasture on open. I mean, he want right. those bears want to be in secluded places. They want to be in places away from human contact and activity. Shady. They want to be places that are shaded, places yeah. where they feel secure. And you want to you so even I, the way I say it is even on a forty acre property that maybe is all 100% wooded. Mm-hmm. Like you would think, well, all this is the same. There's one place on that property that's the best. Mm-hmm. I mean, for killing yeah. bears, whether it would be higher on or So I don't want to get too deep into it, but those are the four questions we're going to answer. Okay. So let me, Jason, what do you like to bait with? What I usually use is I'll do a lot of donuts, pastries, bacon, just pretty much the basic type stuff that guys when you in say our bacon, area. Do you mean bacon grease? No, like, uh, like bacon stri- ends. Um, okay. Do you actually? Okay. Yeah. Not, uh, not cooked. Not cooked bacon. Raw bacon, cooked bacon doesn't matter. Okay. I really like anything fatty pork, beef. Yeah. You know stuff like that. Mostly going to be pastries. I pop popcorn, which is a little bit of work doing that, yeah. but they really they really eat that popcorn in it. You know, it's small pieces and it really really have to work the bait and stay there to eat all that yeah yeah um corn i do a lot of corn deer corn like you'd buy straight up deer corn but i've i've kind of come up with a a secret to that is i make these barrels i've got these barrels they're smaller about 25 30 gallon barrels Mm -hmm. and they're tethered out with a chain or a cable and they're usually a snap top lid so you can get them open easy yep I drill three holes in one side that are about an inch max. And I fill that barrel with the corn, and I use maple syrup, and I stir that in. Okay. It turns, and just, they roll that thing and yeah. just roll that corn out, and they just take hours to get that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and the thing about that that I really like doing that is because when they empty that big barrel, they've got something else to sit there and work that bait and stay there. Yeah. yeah. They just keep coming for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And another thing I'll use sometimes is you always hear a lot of people using dog food and such. Yep. And I've not had much luck with dog food. The dog food I do have luck with is something that's more corn-based. 
Like, a lot of times you go down the co-op and you get, oh, there's some discard bags of dog food. I've seen where the bears will roll that barrel and roll that dog food out just to get the other stuff and leave that dog food. Yep. But mm-hmm. there's certain brands of dog food even just that are more basic, less meat-based probably, mm. more just Like corn, the cheaper stuff. The dirt cheap. Yeah. Like, if you go to... Yeah. Really, have you had yeah. that experience, yes. too? Yeah. The cheaper stuff is yeah. better for yeah. bears? The stuff that has mostly corn... For filler, yeah, those bears like that better. You mix that with syrup, and it's just like they're just crazy over it. Yeah, you know, just go nuts. So, let me ask you a couple of questions. You said something there that somebody might not understand in terms of the philosophy behind what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Like the, the the first thing that a bear is going to go to. Well, first of all, a bear will love anything that'll make a human fat. That's the way I like to say yeah, it. Yep. I mean, whether it's donuts, pastries, bread, sweets, sugary stuff, yep. candy. I mean, they don't really like hard candy, but like gummy candies yeah. or, yeah. you know, anything that's really sugary, uh, really fatty, lots of carbohydrates, mm-hmm. they're going to eat that. So let's say you've got a barrel and you've got donuts, you've got white bread, you've got some wheat bread. I've found that bears just eat any kind of bread i'll mm-hmm. get this yep. bread from a thrift yep. store right and un un shuck it we call it shucking bread but you know take it out of the package and man they'll eat it like crazy mm-hmm. i pour a lot of grease on there mm-hmm. but so they'll they'll eat that down maybe and if if you have multiple bears coming in they'll eat that quick fast yes so your your corn roller barrel Gives them something else to eat that's harder to access that takes longer to eat yes to keep them coming in Yep, it's a and strategic piece of equipment. Yeah, basically at my bait sites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, tell me about making your popcorn with. Uh, you you told me you mm-hmm. sprinkle in some other stuff. Yeah, so what I'll do is uh, you just take a regular propane cooker, just like a fish fryer, mm-hmm. and I'll have a steel pot. And uh, you know, as a bear baiter, you always gather in like old fryer oil stuff like that, mm-hmm. and, you, and you can use new cooking oils. Well, it doesn't matter, but. I'll I'll set aside five gallons of uh, fryer oil just for popping the popcorn, and I usually get that. You know, you got to have that flame pretty hot for popping popcorn. Mm-hmm. I'll fill the bottom of that pan with probably half inch oil, and I'll mix in sugar in that oil, and okay. then I'll fill it in with a couple cups of uh, popcorn seed. And just as long as that popcorn seed is covered with that oil, put the lid on and just uh, pop that. You know, you don't want to burn it, but I'll just keep popping those uh, kettles of popcorn and dumping them into a 55-gallon drum. Well, as I get the next one going, I'll sprinkle, like, uh, some cherry Kool-Aid powder or okay. little – you get the bags of the small marshmallows, sprinkle some in there and stir that up, and that just melts together. It doesn't make a big gummy ball, but it's it's kind of okay. sticky. Okay. While the and popcorn's hot, while so the popcorn's it's melting. Hot, right. It'll melt that the marshmallows so down you've just said Kool-Aid. You said a couple of things that are important. Number one was fryer grease, yes. which I know all three of us. Yep. Fryer grease is a major component of what the key we're doing. Calling lure to your bait, I think. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Fryer grease, used fryer grease, which is yep. accessible once you find a source. Can be tough to get. <laughs> it can be tough to get, but every restaurant has gobs of used nasty fryer grease, mm-hmm. and they some people are selling it for people making using it for biofuel, recycling and stuff. But most of the time you can get it if you just go in and like, hey, and offer to pay for it. That's the way I've had luck is, hey, pay you 10 bucks if you let me get some fryer oil or something. And uh, that's essential Mm -hmm. to any bait. 
I feel like because it's it's it gets on their pads, they're making trails. It's not water soluble. It won't evaporate. I mean, you can sometimes go back to these bait sites a year later and like not maybe not smell it, but but still have the soaked dark yeah. earth there where that oil's been or the trees. You yeah. know, if you have a long standing bait site, all those trees are just dark black. Yeah, also on, on the underbrush additives to put to it, which we know no. one oh, yeah. is yes. very mm-hmm. important that I... Yeah. Yeah, well, we, we can't use. talk about... what. Tell them what you use, Ron. As in the additive? Yeah, I mean the specific... Gold Rush. Yeah, Northwoods Gold Rush. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. And uh, it's... Uh, have you used that, Jason? Yeah, it's all I use. Really? Yep. Northwoods Gold yep. Rush? Yep. yep. It's killer. Describe it, Ron. Uh, just a concentrated butterscotch, and uh, just it takes maybe an ounce two ounces per you know five gallon bucket and yep. it smells like pure candy and you know it does so it takes it takes this uh, it takes your fryer grease which fryer grease has an odor but it's not like a super strong odor and it makes your fryer grease have a super strong odor. oh yeah and they carry it with them everywhere they mm-hmm. go yep. and use it in liberal amounts sling it like I say, pour it around your bait sides, let the bears roll in it, step in it, and just uh, sling it way up in tree trunks and the foliage. And Absolutely. So the the most of these fryer grease additives, and there's multiple companies that, that make them, but we're using the Gold Rush, and it comes in an 8-ounce bottle. It's like 36 bucks. Mm-hmm. But that 8-ounce bottle will, I think it will treat 40 gallons of grease. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now I like to mix it hot. Yeah. I like to mix I it a little too. hotter yep. than what yep. they say. So, you know, I'll probably get twenty gallons of grease. But still, sure. that's quite a bit that's of, a grease. Lot of grease. That's a lot of grease. Yeah. So yeah, fryer grease. The other thing that you said was the powder sugary additives. Mm-hmm. That's yep. good stuff. Good stuff. Yep. Because those Kool-Aid powder bags do produce a lot of scent. And you can mix those in and just anything that is going to cause more scent to be there. Absolutely. And we can talk about commercial scents, too, later because I use yeah. a lot of – I mean, aside from Gold Rush, there's lots of other just spray products and I powder found, products. Uh, some of these, you know, mom-and-pop stores that sell like the Al-A-Date stuff, mm-hmm. the big bulk bags mm-hmm. of Gatorade, you know, oh, yeah. in different yeah. flavors. And I yeah. found that's worked. The powder. Really, oh, yeah, the powder. and Just mix it like you would the Kool-Aid. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. You know, baiting here in Arkansas, you got to be kind of resourceful. It's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's, not a it, lot of people doing it, but there's enough people doing it. It can make it a lot of competition for getting your bait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so last year, you know, I came across a lot of good bait. You probably remember seeing those pallets of stuff I got on the trailer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a, uh, there was a pallet of raspberry jelly buckets bulk on that and nice. that worked really well you know yeah. anything berries blueberries raspberries mm-hmm. blackberries yeah they love that you know so you said uh cheap dog food mm-hmm. corn pastries bread popcorn with mar- marshmallows and kool-aid oh yeah let's just leave that right there okay ryan pretend like he hadn't even talked <laughs> no i'm being serious <laughs> like i, I want to hear from zero your baiting strategy my hookup has been, and it has been for a long time, just uh, has been a bakery that makes lots and lots of pastries and has lots of excess every day. So for me... How is that a good business model for them? 
I don't know. I've asked, I've asked him that. <laughs> they, say, he gets tons, tons of donuts. Yeah. I'm always like, man, they should make less if they yeah. want to make more money. Well, they say, you know, before it's baked, there's actually not that much material there. I'm oh, like, I see. I see. You got a point. But no, you know, I usually I can get 250, 300 pounds of pastries every day. Wow. And, Are you going to share some of that this year? I've got people knocking my door down well, all the time. You're going to share it with me, though, right? Right. Because I'm your friend. Right. Yeah, I brought you one donut. It's a <laughs> <Yeah>. truck. <laughs> he, but, took a, he took a bite out of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's, uh, you know, usually my mainstay. But, you know, like you other guys, we, you know, whole corn. I usually grease it down is what I do with the, you know, the uh, gold rush in it. And um, like how much, let's say you got a, a 55-gallon drum full of corn will, will hold 300 pounds of shell corn. Yeah. So give somebody an example of how much grease you would pour on that. I've never filled one whole. I've got some roller barrels, like, okay. you know, and may put, you know, half a five-gallon bucket, two and a half gallons on it, really soak it down good. Uh, I've got a metal pipe feeder that's been there, practically growed into the tree where I changed it 15 years ago and yeah. uh, fill it up. Um, you know, and every once in a while, I I try to stay away from the meat products now. Uh, used to, you know, I do a lot of beaver trapping and uh, used to do it for the county down there. But I'd save beaver carcasses. But you have to have a hot bait. Lots of bears coming yeah. in. Yeah. Seems like the bears in this area want fresh, fresh meat. Absolutely. If it starts yeah. to get least what rancid. Mm-hmm. Then you've got a mess on your hands. And see, that would be different than Canada. Yeah. In Canada correct. and some of these northern places, the nastier the beaver, the better. Yeah, and that's that's strange. I don't know if it's just because maybe it's a little more cooler up there, not as humid or something, but down here. I think it's just resource availability. I mean, in the far north, they are there is less stuff for them to eat up there. Yeah. And, I mean, they're just taking advantage of any protein they can get. Right. Down here, these bears have a lot of options. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, know, I think it's just that. Just this year, you know, every strain of oak tree is loaded. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's walking sticks, katydids, tons of pokeberries. You know, persimmon trees are loaded. Yep. Blueberries did good. Blackberries did good. Yes. Lots of blackberries. So, yeah. you know, they've got more of a smorgasbord down here, uh, maybe compared to the, the In time north. frame, yeah. these bears down here are staying awake for 10 months a year, right. nine to 10 yep. months a year. Yeah. Northern bears are staying awake maybe six to seven months a year. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, back to what I was saying, the, my main core of my baits is, is pastries. Yeah. So, uh, any other little tidbit secret things you do that you've never told me about? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> you know, uh, You've been holding out on me. I can see it in your eyes. No, I, I try to keep as much there as possible. You know, I don't know if that's something y'all's wanting to touch on right now, but, uh, you know, I have. That'll be the next thing is okay. how much. But now you did use some Asian food that you were getting there for a while, didn't you? Yeah. Or it didn't work very yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, friends actually worked for a guy that uh, has a uh, Chinese restaurant down there in the town where I'm from. And boy, every night when they'd empty buffet, there'd be five gallon bucket or more of Chinese food. I'm like, man, that bears ought to tear that mm-hmm. up. Fried rice. Yeah. yeah. I poured it out and you come back, it has not been touched. They wow. will 
Where I'm at, they will not touch anything spicy. Right. It, it's strange. Wow. wow. So I actually had to shovel it up back in some. Ah, bags. I see. I forgot the story. I was thinking that it was a that it worked. Oh no, no, it didn't work. Not at Jason, all. Jason, have you ever put out something that did not work? Oh, absolutely. What? One year, I got a. They use it to as filler for cattle feed. They'll take cereal, and you'd think bears, all they love Lucky Charms and, you know, Captain Crunch and stuff. But they they pulverize that cereal into, like, a powder, almost like rice bran. Mm. And I used that and mixed it in my roller barrels with corn and syrup and stuff, and I had to dump it out. They they did the corn? They they would not touch that barrel with that. It immediately went from... That roller barrel being destroyed to the point where they were, they had it caved in on the side. They were rolling it so hard to the week I put that out. Just quit it. Quit it. Quit that particular barrel and just kept emptying the 55-gallon drum nonstop. Okay, here's my story. Yeah. It, one time I thought, well, bears leave our baits to go to mass crop, right? Okay. Nuts. Yeah. So I brought home like 200 pounds of almonds. Oh wow! Yeah, and they were they were seasoned, mm-hmm. that, and that was probably the mistake. Salted, yeah. And uh, and uh, you know, I never ate one, so it may have even had some of that uh, smoked, yeah. you know, like the smoked yeah. almond, liquid yeah. the liquid smoke, yeah, artificial. Right. Man, I put those out, and I was like, bears are gonna love this stuff. They would never. They never would. I mean, it. they would walk circles around it you know to get to bait i mean yeah. they didn't want anything to do with it yeah wow. so you find stuff like that when you're baiting bears and i think regionally that's going to be the case it is say as you know me and uh carney got them big old pallets of skittles last yes. year i dumped out three or four or five gallon buckets of skittles did not touch a single one carney dumps them out up here where he's from can't find a single one left same thing here is that right? Yeah, you, did, you, you used Skittles last year. Remember, I tried to give you yes. a few cases of them. They were a pain to unpack. Yeah. Because they're in yeah. little uh, packages. Melted a lot, too. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, the bears at my bait did like them. A few miles up the road at my buddy's bait and wouldn't touch them. Hmm. And I'm sure some of the same bears were probably visiting both those bait sites. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. So, the, I think the point is, is that you before you commit your life to one s- single bait... You better make sure that it works. Absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. think bears get conditioned to stuff over the years. Absolutely. I think that like maybe you could go back and put out Skittles this year, or maybe if you'd have, it is just theory, but sprinkle them in a little bit here and there yeah. mm-hmm. rather than all at once. Like maybe they would gradually move toward. I know it's it's like that when guys uh, feed rice bran with deer. Mm-hmm. You know, we can bait deer here in Arkansas. Some people put out rice bran. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the deer won't eat rice bran for weeks. Right, and then finally, then finally, yeah. one of them starts eating it, and they're like, "Oh, this is basically corn." Yeah, you know. Um, but so, before you just commit to anything, you, you got to know that they'll eat it. But the one thing that they will not turn down is breaded pastry stuff. Absolutely. I mean, I think that would be like the core of probably most of what we're doing, and, and popcorn-related stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen them be finicky with popcorn at times, but yeah. most of the time, they're right. going to hammer the popcorn. Yeah, absolutely. Um. You know, let me talk about what I do with my baits. Bread and donuts, number one, I'm going to have one full barrel, like, packed. Like, I'll jump in the barrel, stomping it down, mm-hmm. of bread, 
donuts, pastries of any kind that I can get. As I'm putting it in, I'm putting in oil on top mm-hmm. of it. Yep. It layers, you know, I'll put in like 10 inches of bread, pour oil, 10 more inches of bread, pour oil, you know, just kind of make sure it gets evenly distributed. I'll have a roller barrel. Just last year, I started using a roller barrel, mm-hmm. just like, and, mm-hmm. and Ryan does that. And uh, that well, that was major. And I'll put a full 300 pounds of corn in there, and I've got about six probably two-inch holes mm-hmm. at the bottom of my roller barrel with a with a uh, 55-gallon Just drum. above the rim of the bottom. Yep, okay. just at the very yep. bottom, low as I can get those holes. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's what I did. And I put an eye bolt in the barrel right. and put about an 18-inch chain on a tree. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they can pretty much – they really can't yeah. – it may be a two-foot chain, but, I mean, they really can't just, like, roll it all around, but they can knock it around, mm-hmm. and they do. Um and then the last several years, I've gotten bear bait from commercial bear bait distributors up mm-hmm. north. Uh, Lucky Seven is where we got our stuff last year. I ate some of that. Yeah, you ate some of it. You like it? <laughs> he had me backpack some into what he called a walk-in bait one time, and I ate probably 20 pounds of licorice behind yes. your back. Yeah, <laughs> You didn't know it. <laughs> that's why you didn't have near the load when we got back in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, where's all this bait? Where'd it go? I thought you were loaded up more. Yep. Some of that stuff's good. It now, when, and so what I've used when I've done that, and I'm not doing it this year, is uh, is we would have pop tarts, we would mm-hmm. have uh, like uh, like the tops of Oreo cookies. Mm-hmm. So I just envision, or you you guys would do it, but I'm describing this to people that wouldn't. You know, mm-hmm. envision Oreo cookies without the filling, mm-hmm. just little chocolate wafers, wafers, little discs, yeah. or or vanilla ones. And then some years we've had ice cream cones, just crunched up in mm-hmm. a big huge tote that probably weighs 800 pounds yeah like sugar so cones. pop tarts yeah. cookies uh yeah sugar ice cream sugar cones mm-hmm. will have big buckets of frosting yeah. which work great oh, yeah. um they have uh, a couple years ago well last year i got boxes of uh gummies sour gummies mm. i thought they would have a hard time with the sour gummies and i think they did at first the first time i baited i just poured out a whole like 40-pound box of sour gummies on top of this barrel. And they didn't hardly mess with it. And I was like, doggone, they're not going to eat these things, and I'm going to have all this bait. But soon enough, they started eating it, right. and they ate it all. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, man, we've had a lot of different stuff. Uh, but the frostings, frostings and those, uh, well, uh, kettle corn. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of these commercial bait distributors, you can buy kettle corn. Which is popcorn that's got sugar and yep. toffee and stuff mixed oh, yeah. in with it, kind of like what you're doing. Yep. Um, and then the last thing I used was trail mix, which that's what a lot of the Canadian guys and stuff up north use is trail mix, which that would be like pretzels, yeah. uh, M&Ms, and nuts, mm-hmm. varieties of nuts. And and uh, the bears ate it good. They ate it good. Um, so typically, I would have two full bear on a really good bait that I knew a lot of bears were coming into. Two full barrels of, you know, ice cream cones or whatever, you know, kind of like my carbohydrate barrels and then a corn yeah. barrel. And then I would spray the heck out of it with a, a scent product. Right. Just whatever. People go nuts over, like, the different types of scent, you know, like what's the best yeah. scent to attract a bear. I don't think there is one. I think they uh, – it's, just, it's yeah. just a it's just a potent, loud – Right. You know, Ryan uses the word, it's loud, mm-hmm. you know, just a loud scent. But, okay, that's that's good for that discussion. We'll just leave that there. Uh, second thing, how much do you bait? 
So, ready to go. Typically what I do is I'll have the, the roller barrel. It's about 30-gallon barrel. I'll put, oh, a couple bags of corn in that probably, or I might mix it with a, a bag of corn and a bag of dog food. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I, the way I make that roller barrel, I make it s- those holes small enough. They really have to work to get that amount of feed out. But always a 55-gallon drum as full as I can get it. Sometimes last year I did two 55-gallon drums and a roller. Right. Now, and, and this is an established bait site too. Very established. Mm-hmm. So established bait site. Yep. You're bait, you've been baiting the same place for 15 years. That particular bait is old faithful in 15 years. And the amount of bears and the amount of big bears that come to that bait is staggering to the point where I was like, you know, I, you, I used to think, oh, I want to keep them as hungry as possible, so I just put one full barrel out and they empty out, and then when I get back, but the more feed you can keep there, the more they will come to that bait. Yes, they will stay. The, the best Canadian yes. outfitters say that. Yeah, and I, I I'm a firm believer. S- as much as possible, I don't want my bears out roaming looking for other food. Right. Yep. Yes. Yeah. I have give a lot them of, a reason to stay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, especially I still in my talk area. to guys yeah. that are baiting small amounts of bait. Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, a lot of times it's because they don't have access to a lot of bait. I mean, there's a lot of limiting factors in baiting. Like some guys don't have access to the bait that yep. we yeah. do just because they don't. I mean, who, I don't know why they don't, but maybe they just don't have the time to look for it. Yeah. And it does can cost some money. Um, but we're talking about best case scenario. Mm-hmm. That, like best practice, so we're not factoring in that. Yeah, this is going to be a massive hustle that's going to take a ton of time and a ton of work. Like that's guaranteed. Um, but best case scenario, you feed them as much as possible. As much as possible. You know, in my particular area, I've gotten to where I have lots of competition from other hunters in my area, mm-hmm. and uh, the more good quality bait and the more of it I can keep there to keep those bears coming to my bait is key i think it's key for having success and because it's tough and mentally it probably keeps you a little less stressed absolutely hey even though i've got competition i feel like i'm doing something right here i I go above and beyond i put it's a lot of work to do this you guys know okay tell tell me why it's why okay i'll be the devil's advocate here i want my bears to feel like there's competition at the bait so my bears will eat all the food that I put out for them. I'm just going to put out like 10 gallons every time I go in every two days. Why is that bad? Say so if you've got 10 bears hitting this bait, it could potentially be wiped out in one evening. And then yeah, you've got, say, if you're only doing it once a week, there's six days of them going there. somewhere else. That's right. Food. Absolutely. You'd be amazed that you guys wouldn't, but people would be amazed at how many people – have bought into this idea that lack of food creates competition. I have yet to find anybody that's been able to convince me that that's true because all these outfitters, and nothing against outfitters, but I'll tell you the best outfitters I've ever hunted with gave them as much as they could they could eat or legally. Some places you legally can't bait. There's limits on how much you can bait. Yeah, Some absolutely. places. Here, it's not. We can put as much as right. we want. But there's this idea that if you put out less, there's competition because a bear is incentivized to come there earlier. And I always say a bear can't reason. A bear doesn't know that. A bear just shows up after dark, and there's no bait there, and he goes, well, guess what? I'm not coming here again because there's no right. food here. Yeah. Right. He's got to fill his belly up. Right. So if you can just pound him. 
and I've had lots of people say, just yesterday I talked to a guy that said, uh, that said, oh man, you feed them too much, they'll get, they'll get where they won't come in anymore. He thinks you can overfeed them. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that at all. I've found no. the opposite completely. I feel like if, like I said, if, if they go there and there's not feed there, they're going to someone else's bait. They're going down the ridge, going to eat acorns. They're going to – bears roam a long way. It's a lot farther in a night and day's time yeah. than people realize. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the more you can give them, the better. Plus, logistically, not everybody has time to run out and bait – throw 10 pounds of bait out every day. Yes, mm-hmm. you yes. You know, it's, it's so a lot of work So if you put out 500 pounds of bait at one time, maybe you can go – I mean, depending upon how many bears are coming there. I have a lot of people that – are like, well, well, tell me how often should I go and mm-hmm. how much should I put out? And I'm like, well, it matters how many bears you're feeding. Right. If you're feeding two bears, then maybe you don't have to go that much. Maybe you don't need to put out that much because you don't want your bait to spoil. Yeah. You don't want your bait to get rained on and get moldy. Absolutely. And they're not going to eat it. Absolutely. So you, you have to regulate. If you're feeding eight bears and two of them are 500 pounders, mm-hmm. you better put out yep. three full barrels and you better come back after about three days. Yeah. Yep. I mean, absolutely. Okay, talk to me, Ryan, about like your starting sequence. So we can start thirty days before season. You'll put out bait when and how often, and just like walk me right to opening day. Well, for me, you know, I'm sure it's different scenarios for different people. Say if you're got an established bait, you know, say it's Jason or yourself, that there's already bears living in the area you know there's yep. bears visiting it yep. before you even get there so you could probably go in the first time and not bait it super heavy i mean but if you know there why not but for somebody that's finally going out for the first time and going to try it and say i want to see for something here don't load that barrel don't or put out barrels. 500 pounds because no, no. more than likely it's going to ruin or go stale or get rain on it and just go sloppy uh but uh for me, say my main bait down uh, south, you know, I will fill three barrels plumb full and uh, a big pipe feeder probably hold 50, 60 pounds of corn. But, uh, you know, and sling the grease with the additive to open up the bait. And so you do that, and then when do you come back? Well, that's something else. Now you've got the cell cameras. It will let you know when that bait is empty, mm. you know. Yeah, uh, you can tell by looking at the bait barrels in the pictures if they're empty or what's left on the ground. So that is a good tool versus having to go back and pull cards and see. So yeah. you know, say if uh, you know I have run my own company, work for myself. If I say I baited on a Saturday, and I see it's empty by Tuesday, I will take the time away from work to go down Tuesday to put yep. bait in that. Yep. Some guys can't do that. They're punching the clock. So yeah. you may just have to do it on a Saturday and go to the next Saturday. You know? Yeah. But, uh, it, so uh, break it down even simpler. Well, let me, let, me, let me say what I typically tell people is that put out bait 30 days before season. Yeah. Come back in five days and check it. Mm-hmm. Assess how much they ate, and I'm just trying to break it down real simple. Come back five days later. Assess what they ate. If they ate it to the ground and there's nothing left there, then put out more bait than you did and come back in three days. Yep. 
And more than likely, there's going to be new bears picking up. All the time. All the time. All the time. And and basically, usually what I do is the closer I get to season, the more I come back. Right. And I get to where I'm coming back about every three days. Mm -hmm. But I'm putting out a lot of bait. Mm -hmm. you got to put out a lot of bait if you're feeding 10 bears for three days. Yeah. And the closer I get to opening day, I might get to where I'm coming in every two days. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, is that how, – how would you do it, Jason? Oh, same way. What I typically do is I go in there, and I'll fill the bait as full as I can get it, it on the established bait. Yep. If it was a brand-new you know, bait, I just – I might do half of a roller barrel and fill the main barrel up. Right. And, it, you know, because typically a bait that's not established – it's going to take till about midway through the month of baiting to really get a good number of bears on there. Mm-hmm. But the established bait, I fill it up max capacity. The way I run my baits is I'll start on a Saturday, the closest Saturday to the first day that I can bait. Okay. And then I will fill it up completely full, and I'll go back every Wednesday and every Saturday like clockwork until yep. season's end. Okay. Yeah. That's how I do it. Okay. And that's just logistically-wise – that gives me the, the the most even type days I can get in a seven week period or right. a seven day period, and uh, you know fill the bait up as full as possible. One thing I did want to touch on I don't know if you guys have tried this is uh, used to uh, on the fryer oil I would throw it out everywhere, throw it up in trees and stuff. Well, sometimes you know it can get hard to get a hold of fryer oil, and what I started doing this last year is I've I've got a pump sprayer now. Okay. In the clean, the cleanest oil, or I can sand it out and screen it out, mm-hmm. and I'll pump spray, and I can make a gallon or two gallon pump sprayer last several baitings, and it'll mist such a fine mist and coat everything so good, okay. it really is efficient. Yeah. Mm. So I've started doing that too. I'll open that bait with full barrels of everything. I'll mist the Gold Rush fryer oil all over everything I can, mm-hmm. even up as high as it'll spray, because mm-hmm. that's your calling, you know. That's yeah, how you're yeah, yeah. To it, so. Cool. That's a, that's a good tip. Mix yep. it in. Have you, have you done that before? Not a sprayer. Okay. Works Somebody, excellent. I've heard that. But, well, maybe it was you that told me. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. So th- the idea is that you just need to keep that bait full, depending on how many bears are coming in. A lot of guys are traveling. Yeah. A lot of guys like here are coming from the Delta or they're coming from some place two or three hours away. So they're really trying to. They're like trying to pry information, like, well, how often do I have to go? Yeah. yeah. And so I try to break it down and I, you know, just kind of give them a yeah. system. And uh, what I, okay, so if somebody has questions, maybe they could, uh, they could just message us somehow if we've missed something. My third question was, what was my third question? What do you bait with? When do you bait? Um, Location. Location. Let's talk about location. To me, location is probably the most important part of the equation because not all bear sites are located are are are, are created equal. I mean, massively. You could be in a great bear county and have a location that was not very good. Mm-hmm. You could, uh, you know, people ask these kind of questions about. You know, well, I'm in such and such county. That's a good bear county. That means I got a good spot, right? And I'm like, well, it may. I mean, it's a good start. Yeah. But it, but there's there's different locations that are that are going to be better. Describe 
to me, you, not where it's at, but just kind of like the features of some of your better baits. Like, like what's around them, what, what, what makes it good, or why do you think it's good? Well, I'm going to tell a little story of how I got my first, the, the really good bait that I've ran for 15 years. Back in 2003, when I started baiting. Did you baiting, have to shoot a guy to get it? Is this involved? It was like very close. <laughs> it, it came very close to possibly Because Ryan did. Shot. That's yeah. how Ryan got his good bait. Yeah. I'll, ha- I'll have to hear this. Right. I'm just kidding. You know, it, you know, it can be hard to find locations to get permission on if you don't own property or know someone. We can only bait on private land in Arkansas. Right, mm-hmm. correct. And so uh, I just happened to be, I was just out looking for places I could bait. And I saw an old guy sitting on a porch out in the mountains and uh, stopped and talked to him. And he's like, uh, you know, I saw a bear the other day. He's like, I don't think there's very many bears here, but you're welcome to try to bait. And he has 123 acres. It's a small place. It's split by a county dirt road, as a matter of fact. Mm. And uh, at the time, I wasn't really thinking about strategic location, mm-hmm. but this property taught me the, what to look for because of yeah, the amount yeah. of bears and big bears I have routinely. It just, it just gave me the, the knowledge and knowing where to put it. So anyway... Uh, Start baiting that year, and I mean, he's just, like, he's just like, well, there's probably not many bears here. The first year, I had several large bears, and so I started bringing him photos, and he's, man, I can't believe all these bears that are here, and, you know, you never see them. They're secretive animals. So the way, what it is, is you've got this big valley with the road run in the center, and then it runs up to two large ridges, mm. and they're running north and south, both those ridges are. And uh, it had been logged probably 20 years earlier. And so it is the thickest, steepest, briariest stuff, blackberry brambles. I mean, you're crawling on hands and knees to get through it if you're walking and uh, if you're trying to get off the hillsides. And it's steep and rough, and it runs down to a lot of creek bottoms with locusts, thorns, and a lot of saplings, Mm -hmm. just the thickest, darkest, nastiest stuff you can be in. And uh, that's where those bears live. They like thick cover where they can be secretive and hide that has lots of food there's lots of hickories and acorns on this it was all blackberries so those bears live there they were just and there it's close to national forest it's very it's surrounded by national forests okay so it's you know there's not a lot of pressure just directly around it yeah and so uh but these bears are living basically in this big bowl that is just plum full of nasty briars and blackberries, and it's steep and nasty getting down to it. And uh, so I try to set up my bait when I'm looking. I want to know, I want to be able to place that bait where the prevailing wind will carry the lure and the scent to where the bears are. Yep. And uh, generally, there's probably bears all around that particular bait, but the majority of them almost always come from the northwest to that bait. And that's down in that nasty bottom. That's where they live. And so I try to set it up. And it can be really, I have a lot of trouble with the wind, the swirling winds. It's really, yeah, yeah. really difficult there. But Get a redneck blind. I, I hunted out of a redneck ghillie blind last year. And it helped quite a bit. Did it? It did. And now that. Get a real one. I know. You'll kill every bear in the woods. It's, it's, on, the, it's on the agenda. But, uh, yeah, the prevailing winds is you know predominantly here we have what south southwest winds yeah 
you know, in what's tough the last few years is we've been getting a lot of easterly winds about the time season Early opens. season, it's kind of been it, weird. It's been it? bumping. It's like the fall is coming a little sooner now, according to when our, our hunt actually begins. Yeah. Mm. But uh, well, that's a good description of, yeah. of where it's at. And I think the key thing, at least for here, is close to National Forest. And that, in, in other parts of the world, that may translate just into it's – it's in bear territory, and these bears want to yes. be in remote rugged, country. remote, yep. unfragmented wilderness is a phrase that we use a lot, which technically wouldn't no be. No human intrusion, you know, yeah. right. four-wheeler trails. Right. Uh, and see, know. our bears aren't in ag country. Right. There's parts of the world or the continent where they are mm-hmm. that, you know, bears are feeding in places where there's are human activity, but here we're not. But... Uh, and so we're trying to get into the most remote places that yep. we can. And yep. then like on a 120-acre farm, like you're trying to find a bait site that you can drive a truck to, Yep, I would imagine. Yep. Yeah, on or an old logging road or an ATV. Yep. But you're also trying to get as far, I bet you're trying to get as far away from the county road as you can. Absolutely. Am I right? Yeah. Because that bear's yeah. not going to want to come up within 75 yards yes. of a main county road with people coming up and down right. on open yes. day of season. Yep. I mean, you're probably trying to get as far away from that as you Quarter can. Quarter mile minimum, if possible. You know, yeah. I like to be in there, and that's straight up the mountain on the very top of the ridge because that then, way you can carry that scent. Would out you? There. Re- and you'd rather be up higher than lower. I prefer to be as high as possible, just for more stable winds. Yeah, you okay. know. Well, that that's that's a key. I think. Yeah. I mean, down low. Unless you've got a yeah. redneck blind where you can have 100% <laughs> and, and yep. redneck blind doesn't pay me a dime, they should. Yeah. And uh, good scent containment. Absolutely. Yeah. You could put a, you could put a bear bait wherever you wanted. But because you said the bears are living down low, but you're hunting up high. Yeah. And I They're think coming, that's key. Because, I, I, yeah, absolutely. I've watched them just, I put my stand as close to the break of the hill as I can. Because it drops off so steep, that keeps my scent traveling way up above, up high. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, most every bear that has come to that bait or that I've taken at that bait have come up yeah. from that bottom. I think a high bait, too, is better for scent distribution. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Of, yeah. Of, because, see, you're not hunting there 24 hours a day. Because if you think about scent distribution, it's also distributing your human scent. But think about the thermals coming and going off mm-hmm. the top of a mountain. Yep. You know, in the evening time at night, that scent is going down in that valley. Mm-hmm. And then in the morning time, it's going up, and the winds are carrying it to mm-hmm. who knows where, a long right. ways away. Right. One thing that Jason said that I'll bring up is that it's best to place a bait in a place where the prevailing winds are going to be blowing the wind towards where bears are. That statement works in some places. And the example that I had was one time I had a, a piece of private land that was like on the border of big national forest. So on, you know, to the, let's just say to the north of this property was all civilization. I mean, it was cattle farms and roads and behind it was big national forest. Well, there was a ton of bear in the big national forest, but the prevailing wind was blowing my bait scent into civilization. And I could hardly ever get bears to come in there, even though it was right on the lip of this huge nasty Canyon that I would look down in. And I mean, there was like, big national forest and i was like there are bears within a half mile of here yep. that don't even know this bait's here because you know and i was waiting for a north wind yeah which never came you know i baited that spot for five years and never could draw bears there and i should have been able to and if that bait had been on the other side of that national forest 
where the a southerly wind or southwestern wind would have been blowing into that, mm-hmm. I think I'd have drawn every bear out of there. Absolutely. If that makes sense. Yeah. Absolutely. So describe your good bait, Ryan, or um, where, what you look for in a good bait. Well, you know, I just looked into the place I'm at. Oh, gosh, it's been early 2000s, and uh, it just happened. It's pretty much landlocked in the middle of a mm-hmm. national forest, but it has a uh, valley on the back end. It's just got old beaver sloughs. It's thick, you know, uh, briars, persimmons, you know, all kinds of brambles, but shit, just a dark, dank area where bears love to. To live, bed, you know, especially during the summer, late summer. But uh, anyway, there's just bears there year-round. So I actually didn't realize how good of a hot spot it was right off the bat. And uh, after the first year or two. And, you know, I had some buddies that baited on the other side of that, and they were killing monster bears too. But uh, it just, you know, I call it the Valley of the Kings. You know, because, yeah, yeah, it Valley just, uh, it has got monster bears in it. You know, uh, Beesons have killed three or four. 500 plus pounds. Yeah, out of there. And I've taken, you know, 500 and I don't know how many fours out of it. So, yeah. Uh, but, you know, it ain't nothing on a, a good year to have, you know, a dozen to 18 bears on this one yeah. bait. But, yeah. uh. You know, I just try to get as close as I can to the National Forest. Just happened to find a location that was suitable for a, a stand and uh, where I felt like the bears, you know, would want to travel, not have to think twice, you know, feel comfortable coming into it. But, uh, you know, it's just like Jason said, you know, it's the seasons are changing. You're going to have south winds, north winds. It's, yeah. it, it's mm-hmm. just – but, yeah. you know – more or less on a west wind for me is uh, going to take that scent into where the, the bears are living. But I've also got food plots on this property up on the top that I plant lots and lots of buck forage oats. So all these acres of oats go to seed. And all summer long, these bears are living there eating yeah. seed tops off this. So right. yeah. usually when I go into bait, the, you know, they're there just pretty lickety split. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, it's it's got no human intrusion, uh, no roads close. But, you know, it's hard for the average Joe to find, you know, a piece of ground like that. We all yeah. know that. So, oh, yeah. you know, guy might find a Delta lease that's 80 or 100 acres that's pure pine timber. And you know how hard it is for bears to stay in pine timber a lot of the time. Yeah. But, you know, it, it has to have, you know, some... Big hardwoods, close water, crevices, shade, you know, just nasty tangles. You know, you hear a lot of people talk about water. Like, you know, if you're going to have a good bait, water's got to be close. Um, That's true. If bears are eating that much food, they've got to be drinking a ton of water. But I don't find water to be the – this is the one thing I don't understand about that argument. Because any bear baiting article you're ever going to read, they're going to say, water is a must – and, I mean, they make it sound like there's got to be water within 100 yards of your bait. Yeah. I mean, it's great if there's water within 100 yards of your bait, but I don't find that to be necessarily true because water's not the limiting factor. Well, most people think, well, it's got a pond on it. Well, that'll work. Well, 
bears really don't utilize ponds that much. It's got to be a seep, you know, seepage. Smaller. Yeah, right, and you might not is, know it's there, yeah, you know. Yeah. And, right, right. And animals will use that. Around here, there's water in a whole lot more places than you would realize. Yeah. Now, this, what you're saying, though, I mean, bears do, they will use a pond as a water source, yeah. 100%. And now, I had last podcast, James Brandenburg was on here, and he asked me what kind of water sources bears are looking for. And I told him, I said, I don't think a bear cares whether he's drinking out of a mud hole. I remember one time when I was hunting with my grandpa, bird hunting quail dogs, and I watched a bird dog run up to a water hole and drink just the muddiest, nastiest water. And uh, I said, does that dog not mind drinking muddy water? And he said he could care less. He's just thirsty. I mean, now they, but I think they probably find themselves utilizing more of the smaller water sources and more secluded places. But yeah, point being, water's good, but there's, it, or at least around here, water's not a limiting resource. Yeah. Right. Most yeah. of the time. Yeah. Um, okay. As we're closing down here, what would you say to somebody that was, and, and, and even take it out of Arkansas, because around here, you know, the limiting factor is finding private land that you can hunt. Right. And we ain't giving nobody any tips about how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke. It sort of. <laughs> No, no, it's no. just the same way no. you'd find private <laughs> land for deer hunting. Yep. I mean, get out and knock on doors, use your apps. I mean, these yep. new apps are almost cheating for finding landowners. Yeah. And if you want to find a place to bait a bear, you can find it. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, they're all, I mean, like there's, we've been doing this now in this part of the world for almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, like a lot of the good spots are taken, but there's good spots still out there that just are waiting for the right relationship to be built. Yep. And uh, and there's leases and different things that people can get on. So I'm joking about that, about not telling people how to find private land. But let's say they're in Idaho and you can bait on public land there. Right, yeah. Um, like give me like a one minute, like what would you what would you do to start a brand new bait? One minute, Jason. And I'm going to ask you the same thing. I would look for... Not not necessarily location, okay, like okay. bait, like just say. If I just wanted to slam a bait in real quick. Just, just like, what would you put out? You know, you'd say, I'd say I'd take a 55-gallon drum and. Season's know. open, I can hunt as soon as. Yeah, what would you do? Pastries, bacon ends, dog food and maple syrup, and fryer oil. And you'd put it in a 55-gallon drum? Put it in a 55-gallon you'd drum. you put up a trail camera? I'd put up a trail camera. Would you put up your tree stand before a bear got Ab- there? Absolutely. I'd, I'd go ahead and just make that bait site hunt ready. Maybe even How for, far would you put your stand from the bait? 20 yards max, probably, for probably 15 to 20 yards, yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Or as close as I could get to that particular bait and still have a good wind for what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What would you do, Ryan? Same scenario. I mean, uh, like you say, you want to open it up, some food, you know, pastries, dog food, corn, but definitely the uh, fryer grease additive, something mm-hmm. to get the bait started. Use the air to your advantage yep. to uh, do that. But like I say, go ahead and put that stand up and have that uh, location turnkey for not to have to tinker around Absolutely. anymore. You know, this is kind of going backwards, but let's talk real quick about starting a bait because that's a critical component is getting bears to your bait. And yep. I'll, I'll give one... 
Think of a tip for for starting a bait. You get one tip. Okay, I'll give mine first. Okay. Tip for starting a bait is to do a uh, a drag. Mm-hmm. I once had a bait that I put out that was in a good spot, and I'd actually baited it before mm-hmm. and had a couple bears come in there the year before. Put out a bait, expected bears to be right on it, but they didn't show up. A week later, I went back, and nothing had touched it. And it, this bait was down low. It's the only place I could hunt on this place was down low, which I didn't want to be down low because low is bad for scent distribution. Yep. And that's exactly what I found. Yeah. Bait was low, no bears. And so I came to the bait, and I wasn't prepared for this, but I had oil, and I cut the back of my shirt off about a 14-inch strip, about four inches tall, mm-hmm. and had a piece of rope, and I dipped that, dipped that piece of the shirt into my Northwoods, my, my Gold Rush oil, mm-hmm. took a bottle of the Gold Rush. Uh, you know, I, like, poured the oil into, like, a 20-ounce Pepsi bottle yeah, or something, sure. you know? And I just took off down the creek, walking, 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 just dragging that scent drag down the creek. And I drug it all the way till this valley opened up and where two other valleys met. Mm-hmm. And I made a big loop. And I probably went a half a mile one direction. But I got the scent out of that valley. Yeah, right. And then I poured the scent out. You know, pour, I slung the oil around. And then I came back. So I left this big drag. Within a day, the repairs mm-hmm. there. Absolutely. So, so there's my tip uh, for starting a bait is grease, but you could do a drag tip. Uh, I mean, you're basically covering yep. Yep. point A. I mean, it's all about scent dispersal. Yep. That has to happen. So, I mean, like you say, uh, you know, I had a buddy a couple years ago who said, hey, I'm in a prime spot over here in Oklahoma, and I've had it for two weeks and nothing. I said, get you some gold rush and just walk out all the private parts that you can, just like you said, with the rag or sling it here and there. And within three days, he had multiple bears on the bait. So get out away from your bait. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I think scent, a bait site can kind of, depending on where it's at, you may be limited on where you can put it. So you may not be able to put it on top of a mountain. Right, you may right. have to put it down yep. low or something. And it, it kind of kind of holds in until there's a weather change. Sometimes a weather change yep. will bring in bears. I remember a real good bear hunter down where I'm from, he he always said, man, I'm waiting for a north wind. He yep. said, as soon as I get a north wind, half of my baits will just yeah. turn on. I mean, but that's about scent distribution. Yeah. But you can cheat that. You you can cheat that with a drag. Yeah. Yep. Because you can take your scent to another place. I yep. want to come back and say another. We'll do it. One. Go ahead now. Uh you're going to take Jason's. Yeah, if you're going to open up a new place and you do have bears coming in, don't go in and put together a ladder stand, you know. Not uh, there at no, the location. No, no. I mean, yeah. if you feel like that there's a good chance there's going to be bears there, go ahead and have your setup ready. Yeah, And absolutely. don't come back in there and tinker around. Setting up stands, screwing tree steps, doing this, this, and this. That's the most unnatural thing you can do. Right. Yeah. Low pressure. That's right. Yep. Low pressure. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about one one more thing after this, and that'll be hunting strategy. But what's your tip for starting a bait? You know, I'm going to preach to the choir. Same thing. The scent, the, the fryer oil is key, I, I think. I don't think you can have a successful bait, period, if you don't have the call lure there have you ever done a burn 
I have done like a bacon burn, honey burn, stuff like that. You think it you, did much? You know, it probably did, but it's just a lot of hassle. Yeah. It's something I don't like to hassle with. It's just like he was talking about with the Ryan was talking about with the stands. I don't want to go in there ten days before season after Bears been coming and spend two hours there assembling stand, trying to figure out what tree to put in. I want it all figured out. Here's a tip: when you put your bait out. When you're picking a location, make sure that you can get everything done initially that you want done to be ready to hunt. So all you got to do is go back in there and bait. Yes, and I know that there's times where, like last year, last minute I had to throw the redneck ghillie blind in there because the wind was, it was terrible east wind, and uh, I had to do something to be able to hunt because my stand wouldn't work. I was out of options at the point. So it worked. It worked. It worked. You killed a good bear last year, didn't you? It worked. Yep. Candace did, actually, you know. Uh, we had that bad cold front come in and all that rain. It just kind of shut the bait down. But, yeah, she took a nice 280-pound You took You took one. a pretty good one the year before, though. Oh, yeah, very, yeah, 400-pounder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. color face. Nice chocolate bear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 19 and 4 yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice yeah. bear. Yeah. Um, real quick, let's talk about let's talk about hunt strategy. And I'll, t- I'll tell mine first. The way that I handle a bait is I want – that bait to be a safe place for that bear mm-hmm. and i want to be predictable mm-hmm. if you are predictable the bears will be predictable that's right i will now this is best case scenario and and you guys may do different stuff than this but i don't ever go into a bait in the evening time uh like during peak feeding hours yep. like i will i would rather let a bait go dry then drive into a bait at seven o'clock at night and bump bears off of it that's just the way i do it um, and so I want to be, if, if I'm predictable, the bears are predictable. Yeah. If the bears are always thinking, is that guy, if you're not, you, the bears know that there's a human coming in here. We drive our trucks right up to the bait. We leave our scent. Yep. Like mm-hmm. they know even big bears, you know, last year I killed a 550 pound bear in Oklahoma. Right. He absolutely knew I was there. He was out there listening to me, you know, when I was unloading my truck. I mean, I don't think he was 80 yards out there, but. I mean, sure. he was probably yeah. across the valley over on the ridge. Very he knew, aware. He knew yeah. what was going on, yeah. very much so. And he, I wanted him to trust me like clockwork. Mm-hmm. And if I broke that trust, then his trust breaks, and all of a sudden he is wary. So I want him to feel totally comfortable coming in there in the evening, in the daytime, and not be afraid that I'm going to drive in or I'm going to sneak in or I'm going to slip in. The, what, what I like to do, and I think this has been key for – my success over bait has been because a lot of people ask, what do you do on the day you hunt? Cause a lot of guys bait on the day they hunt, like drive into the bait mm-hmm. and then leave a hunter and then leak, go out. Yep. Keep it. Th- That's not a bad thing. I wouldn't say it's best practice though. To me, best practice. What I've seen is I've also, well, two things. I find that the day after you bait, is when a lot of those big bears come in in the yep. daytime. Yep. Yep. If I'm in there at 1 o'clock in the afternoon putting out bait... They show up after dark. A lot of times the big ones show up after dark. Now, I'm not talking about 200-pound bears. He may be licking the barrel while you're still in sight driving away. Yeah, I'm talking about the big ones. I find that the day after you bait is when they are happy as can be because mm-hmm. there's a ton of good bait, a lot yep. of variety, yep. and you've been gone for a long time. So I bait the day before season, and the day of season, I slip in like a ninja, and I don't want them to think I'm there. That's 
exactly how I do it. Yep. You know, uh, some of these guys want to get in on the bait before daylight. Not yep. me. I ain't. It's it's tough. Yeah, I don't. You don't want to go in there. Only hunt the fl- evenings. That's the well, probably the biggest thing that people. You, and you well, I, I want you to finish your. Go well, ahead, just, go ahead. I mean, interrupt to you. go walking in with a flashlight, knowing there's bears in the area, is one of the most unnatural things you could do. Right. If you're going to hunt the mornings, why not wait till daylight, ease down to it? And mm-hmm. if there was a shooter bear on the bait, I mean, you could potentially you, get a shot. You could potentially yeah. get a shot, or you could just back off. But you know, and slip in the stand quiet. You know, and you hunt the evening or the afternoon, you know, according to what your cameras are telling you, when I get out of the tree, I shimmy down quiet. I do not turn on a tough flashlight till I'm a long ways from the bait. People say, well, that's unnerving. Maybe a little bit, but, you know, if you've done it for a while, you know how it is. Have, have got like, eaten yet. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so. That's scary, right? <laughs> I knew you felt that way. No, what you just said, I talked to a guy this week, Lee Walt. He, I'm going to have Lee listen to this. He'll do it. He got, a, he got a spot up here that he can bait, and he was just like, what do I do? And, uh, and I, I gave him a spiel about what to do, and he said, should we hunt mornings? And, uh, because he's hunted with me before, and we only hunted eat. Well, no, we hunted mornings. He knows I don't like hunting mornings. Mm-hmm. And I said, it all matters what your goals are. I said, if you've got a 500-pound bear coming in there every evening, don't hunt the morning. Yeah. Because you're going to bump him. Because if, if the thing about this trust thing is that if, you're slip, if there's a human slipping in there on opening day at an unnatural time and you inadvertently bump that 500-pound bear, you've broke that trust big time, oh, even yeah. worse than driving in on him. And more than likely, it's not a mature bear's first rodeo, you know. Yeah. In these parts, because they visit lots of different bait sites. Yeah, and right. So I told him, I said, if you just want to kill a bear, you could probably kill one in the morning. Just slip in after daylight with a good wind if you can, and uh, you know, call, call up a tree and probably kill one. But I said, if you had a five hundred pounder coming in there, don't just don't even hunt. Just yeah. sleep in and get in there at two o'clock in the afternoon when no bears are there for sure, and you can get in clean. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think, Jason? You know, I've got mixed feelings your, a little bit. That, and that's but, good. Tell me how you've got the Because this mornings. is my experience on the old faithful bait is I drive right to the bait, and I'm only able to bait Saturdays and Wednesdays. Well, on Wednesdays, I'm driving a long ways from work. So I roll in there probably 10 o'clock on Saturdays, midday, and I'll put out a lot of bait. And, uh, and like you guys said, the, the day after a baiting is usually the hot day. Mm-hmm. That's usually when most of the bears are going to pound the bait because there's fresh bait there. A lot of times they've been out for a day and they're coming to check and they've fresh scent in there. But in the evening, I'm not getting there till six or six thirty in the afternoon. That's I'm prime glad, time. I'm glad you said that because <laughs> I don't want to create a doctrine. I know there's other ways to do it yes. than the way. And Ryan and I have talked so much, like, and I've learned a ton from Ryan. We kind of have this mm-hmm. ideal doctrine of bait and bears. Sure. That's part of the reason I wanted you to come because I knew. Yeah. I mean, like. Yep. You're 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 having to work and then go bait after work. Yeah. So you're yeah. getting in I'm, there at six o'clock. I'm driving up there at six o'clock, bumping a giant bear off the bait, and leaving. And on the camera, forty five minutes later, there's either that bear back or another giant. I mean, it's just yeah, it's and so it it's working for you. It works for me. 
I would prefer, I'm the same way as you guys, before the day of the opening of the season. I want to have it baited up the day before, though. I mean, that's what I prefer. I don't want to go in there and bait it that day and then go hunt it. I want to be in there. If it opens on a Saturday, I'm going Friday. I'm loading the heck out of it Friday evening. Some of those bears will come at night, but the majority of them are going to come during the day or that next day because mm-hmm. that's when it's prime and all the fresh scents gotten out there. And, uh, you know, I used to hunt mornings quite a bit, and I killed two of my biggest bears in the morning. Did you really? My, my very first bear right after daylight. I'll drove the truck up there. We got out, got in the stands. My buddy drove it down, and at daylight I killed a 19-and-a-half-inch 400-pounder. It was wow. the first bear I ever killed. Wow. Uh, yeah, giant. And uh, But I will tell another story is I had a friend drop me off at that bait at 5.45 in the morning because I wanted to get in there early because a lot of times there, a lot of my bears are hitting my bait in the morning time. Okay. And, you know, just like 7 o'clock, 8.30 to 10 right in there. I, I get a lot of all-day action. Hmm. But and it could have to do with it, where your bait's at. Right. It's, Somebody else may not be getting that. Right. It's a good location, and they're there, and they're just visiting it all day, and there's multiple bears there. I had a friend drop me off at 5.45 in the morning. I, I had my little LED headlight on my head, and as he's driving the ATV off, I'm in the stand, and I can still see his headlights going off the hill, and I turn, and my light hits that bait site, and there is a giant standing in the bait. Wow literally 10 minutes after he dropped me off and i had to sit there with that bear in the bait until it got daylight and he left before it was shooting light wow Mm. so but Mm. that and that at that point i was like you know i feel like what did that bear do after that because see he he came right in stood there for a few minutes well i mean like did were you able to kill that bear no no he he left i was down to uh there, there was a hill. There's a big hill to my east, and the sun was coming up. It stays really dark, even on top of that mountain. What, it stays I so guess dark. my question is more: What did he do after that? Like in terms of did did he keep coming in the daytime? Because I mean, what you just described is what we're saying: don't do. You know, I don't know because I end up killing a nice chocolate bear that oh. evening. I sat oh, there. Yeah. I sat okay. there for 13 hours. Never okay. got out of that stand. <laughs> okay. So. Well, that's a good answer. Yeah. So, so you don't know. You I don't, don't know. know if he if he. I don't came know if back. he returned, and okay. I pulled the camera that evening. Okay. So. You know, everybody has their trial and error, and there's certain ways to yeah. to do mm-hmm. it. You know, but yep. you know, his bait site, the bears are going to act different than mine. You yep. know, when I baited up in this area, you know, and these bears were totally different to the way they acted down in the south. So yeah, it's kind of weird. It, it was strange, but. Uh, a guy's just got to. A guy's got to find a way to have success and just stick with a plan. And I think that's what we've yeah. all done. Is you just got to stick with a plan and you got to work hard mm-hmm. and you got to think it through and you got to. You just got to think about these things. If nothing else, this is going to get people thinking. And everybody's working with a different scenario. Like you're working with a deal where you don't. You know, Ryan and I work for ourselves, so we can do kind of what sure, we want, right. and that's a big factor. Um, yeah. But most people. Are having to, you know, might have to go in the evening time. Well, if you go yeah. in the evening time, be consistent, yep. you know. Uh, and anyway, there's a lot of variables. And uh, ultimately, I think what I'd like to say is that it's harder than most people think to kill a bear over bait, especially a big one. I mean, you got to do a lot of things right to kill a big bear over yes. bait. Yeah. Um, and you've, uh, you know, like here in Arkansas, I've actually never killed a big bear over bait in arkansas 
It's really tough. <laughs> and, 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 and part of that's not – that's kind of cheating, not totally fair. It doesn't tell the whole story. I mean, I've baited all these years, and I've helped a lot of people kill bears. A lot of times my kids are the priority of what I'm trying to do. Um, and then I've focused my other attention. And now in Oklahoma, I have. And it's a different story. It's just a different story. I got better places over there than I do here. Right. Um, and anyway, I say that to say it's not easy. We're talking like it's just it's just easy. My my places in Arkansas have gotten worse actually over the last five years. Is that right? Yeah. I, we just five years ago when there was a time when I was uh, I wasn't guiding, but we were auctioning a hunt off for the association yeah we put people on big bears for several years in a row that they should have killed big ones on the opening day and they didn't um but i just say it's hard that's what i say i mean a lot some people don't understand and i think i'll do a preamble uh intro to this where i'm going to talk about the fair chase aspects of baiting hunting over bait because it's a it's a ton of work it's you know the dream is free the hustle is sold separately as that's, they say that's right yep, yep. well um, closing thoughts going once if you're going to hunt bear mature bears it's it's like a marriage you got to have the desire and the effort you yep. know and that combined you'll be more successful so a yep. lot of sweat equity yep. involved with baiting bears hardcore absolutely yep. don't get out there and Get good locations, get good bait. That's the key, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Put the work in. You want good results, you got to put in the work. Otherwise, you know, you can't just uh, take shortcuts. Yep. Put full effort. Yep. Full effort. Yep. yep. All right. Well, keep the wild places wild because that's where the bears go. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose Interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today.